The Arkansas Supreme Court decided two cases on civil procedure this week. In Bayer Crop Science LP v. Hooks, 2022 ARC 29, the Arkansas Supreme Court reversed the circuit court's denial of Bayer Crop Science's motion to intervene in a lawsuit challenging a rule affecting Bayer because it was a matter of necessary intervention under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 24A. In this case, Bayer manufactured a herbicide, Decomba, controlled by plant board rules. A lawsuit filed against the plant board and its members in their official capacities was pending, and Bayer sought to intervene. The circuit court denied the intervention motion, and Bayer appealed. Justice Webb explained, On May 24, 2021, Farm Voice, Inc., an organization of row crop farmers who favored the use of Decamba, moved to intervene. Two days later, Bayer likewise moved to intervene. It argued that it was entitled to intervene intervene by right, pursuant to Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 24A, and alternatively, by permission pursuant to Rule 24B. Bayer asserted that it had an interest in defending its products, including their utility and efficacy, and the federal label, the science supporting those state and federal regulatory decisions, its financial interest in the continued ability of Arkansas farmers to use its products through the full period permitted by the federal label, and its reputational interest in the product. The Appellees opposed Bayer's motion to intervene and denied that Bayer had any interest in the litigation. They also asserted that under the rules and procedures contained in ARC Code N Section 2515.212, Bayer has no standing to intervene in this case because Bayer does not claim to be injured by final agency action. Appellees further asserted that Bayer cannot claim to be injured by final agency action as it participated in the plant board proceedings by submitting comments. And the final agency action in the form of the enactment of the Decomba Rule of May 3, 2021, was favorable to Bayer. The Appellees further argued that in its motion, Bayer stated its intention to respond to the allegations that the use of Decamba herbicides will cause widespread and irreparable harm, that the best available science does not support the regulatory decisions of EPA and the plant board, and that Bayer will incur financial harm if the plant board's order is not approved, which violates Arkansas Code Annotated Section 2515.212G. End of quote. Looking to the circuit court's denial of Bayer's motion to intervene and its reasons, the Supreme Court saw things differently than the lower court. Quote, in denying Bayer's motion to intervene, the circuit court presumably found of Appley's last argument persuasive. Citing Section 2515.212, it found that pursuant to the Arkansas Administrative Procedure Act, the June 10, 2021 proceeding shall be confined to the record established prior to the appeal, accepting testimony regarding any procedural irregularities not shown in the record. Bayer timely appealed. The Supreme Court reasoned a circuit court has no right to deny a motion to intervene if the civil procedural requirements in Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 24 are satisfied, and they were in this case, inciting a recent case on intervention, Cherokee Nation Businesses LLC versus Gulfside Casino Partnership, 2021 ARC 17. 
As to why the circuit court considered intervention improper, the Supreme Court explained. We first consider Bayer's contention that, in denying its motion to intervene, the circuit court relied on an inapplicable section of the APA rather than Rule 24. As noted previously, the circuit court based its decision to deny intervention on Section 25.15.212G. It notes that the instant litigation challenges an agency rulemaking, whereas Section 25.15.212 applies only to appeals of agency adjudications. See Art Code and Section 25.15.212A. In cases of adjudication, any person who considers himself or herself injured in his or her person, business, or property by final agency action shall be entitled to a judicial review of the action under this subchapter. Bayer contends that an adjudication is an agency process for the formulation of an order. Art Code and Section 25.15.202.1a. Further, an order is the final disposition of an agency in any matter other than rulemaking. Art Code and Section 25.15.202.6. Bayer asserts that appellees challenge a rulemaking, not an adjudication, which means that their complaint is brought under Section 25.15.207, not Section 25.15.212. It asserts that Section 25.15.207 does not limit review to the agency record, Thus, the circuit court erred in holding that Section 25.15.212G applies to this litigation and prevents Bayer's intervention. We find this argument compelling. We hold that Section 25.15.212 of the APA does not bar the granting of Bayer's motion to intervene. End of quote. Looking to whether intervention was proper, the opinion next looked to the civil procedural rule in issue, Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 24A. Quote, Bayer argues that it was entitled to intervene as a matter of right because it satisfied all the requirements stated in Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 24. Bayer asserts that the motion was timely. It has protectable interest in the enforcement of the agency rule at issue and in defending the federal registration and label for its low volatility Dicamba herbicide. Resolution of Appalese claims could impair Bayer's interest, and none of the parties adequately represent Bayer's interests. We agree. Timeliness. Quote, We first note that Bayer's motion to intervene was filed just 20 days after the Appalese filed their complaint. End of quote. Sufficient interest. Quote, we next consider whether Bayer has a sufficient interest to support a right to intervene. Our inquiry is guided by Cherokee Nation Business Supra. There, in our de novo review, we determined that Cherokee had a sufficient interest in the litigation based on its status as the only qualified applicant for the Pope County Casino License and a contractual economic development agreement with Pope County. And, as in the case before us, the putative intervenor had only a monetary interest in the outcome of the litigation. The rule governing the application of Dicamba directly affects the product's marketability. This analysis dovetails with the second factor enumerated in Rule 24, whether the putative intervenor's interest might be impaired by the disposition of the suit. 
Bayer has asserted that by allowing less application time, it will sell less product and denigrate the vapor grip technology, which imposes a reputational injury. We hold that the second factor has been established. End of quote. Whether Bayer's interest was sufficiently protected by present litigants. Quote, Finally, Bayer was required to show that its interest is not adequately represented by the plant board. We agree with Bayer that Appley's complaint directly challenges whether the plant board reviewed the best reasonably obtainable scientific, technical, economic evidence, and information available showing the need for, consequences of, and alternatives to the existing rule. As both Bayer and Appley's contend, much of that information was presented by Bayer. We hold that Bayer's interest in this area is not adequately represented by the plant board. Thus, we hold that the circuit court clearly erred in denying Bayer's motion to intervene. We therefore reverse the circuit court's denial of the motion to intervene and order that it allow Bayer to intervene as a matter of right. Art Code and Section 2515.212H provides, The court may affirm the decision of the agency or remand the case for further proceedings. It may reverse or modify the decision if the substantial rights of the petitioner have been prejudiced because the administrative findings, inferences, conclusions, or decisions are, one, in violation of constitutional or statutory provisions, two, in excess of the agency's statutory authority, three, made upon unlawful procedure, four, affected by other error or law, five, not supported by substantial evidence of record, or six, arbitrary, capricious, or characterized by abuse of discretion. Art Code and Section 2515.207 states, The validity or applicability of a rule may be determined in an action for declaratory judgment if it is alleged that the rule or is threatened application injures or threatens to injure the plaintiff in his or her person, property, or business. Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 24 states, Intervention of Right. Upon timely application, anyone shall be permitted to intervene in an action, one, when a statute of this state confers an unconditional right to intervene, or two, when the applicant claims an interest relating to the property or transaction which is the subject of the action, and he is so situated that the disposition of the action may as a practical matter impair or impede his ability to protect that interest unless the applicant's interest is adequately represented by existing parties. Procedure. A person desiring to intervene shall serve a motion to intervene upon the parties as provided in Rule 5. The motion shall state the grounds, therefore, and shall be accompanied by a pleading setting forth the claim or defense for which intervention is sought. When the constitutionality of a statute of this state affecting the public interest is drawn into question in any action, the court may require that the Attorney General of this state be notified of such question. End of quote. End of decision. In Mahoney v. Derrick, 2022, ARC 27, the Arkansas Supreme Court affirmed an order granting summary judgment to a district court judge and found in this case that he was entitled to absolute judicial immunity. Justice Womack explained, Mark Derrick is a state district court judge for White and Prairie counties and eight towns therein. 
The appellants, who appeared before Judge Derrick as criminal defendants, were convicted of various misdemeanors and subject to court-imposed fines. In different manners and with varying frequency, the appellants failed to pay their court-imposed fines, which often resulted in jail time and additional fines. Together, they sued Judge Derrick in his official capacity, arguing that he, one, did not consider appointing an attorney for indigent defendants at the first court appearance, two, set bail according to a uniform schedule without regard to a defendant's ability to pay, three, fined defendants according to a uniform fine schedule without considering their ability to pay, four, set a uniform payment plan for defendants without determining whether the plan caused hardship, five, jail defendants for failing to pay their fines without determining whether the failure to pay was willful, and six, suspended defendants' driver's license without notice or an opportunity to be heard. While the claims concerning the uniform payment plans and failure to appoint an attorney invoke only Arkansas law, the other claims allege violations of the federal constitution and seek relief under 42 U.S.C. section 1983. End of quote. The lawsuit filed in the White County Circuit Court sought class certification as well, with the putative class defined as, quote, all individuals who owe or will incur fines, fees, costs, and or restitution as part of a sentence for a misdemeanor criminal conviction imposed by Judge Derrick and who, at the time of any suspension of their driver's license for failure to pay fines, fees, costs, and or restitution imposed at sentencing by Judge Derrick, cannot or could not pay the debt demanded due to their financial circumstance. End of quote. The circuit court, in granting summary judgment, reasoned because the, because the judge was acting within the scope of judicial authority, he was therefore entitled to immunity. The Supreme Court agreed, quote, Whether a judge acts in his judicial capacity depends on whether the challenged action is a function normally performed by a judge and to the expectations of the parties. Importantly, the nature and function of the act is the subject of scrutiny, not the act itself. If a particular act relates to a general function a judge typically performs, then the act is in his judicial capacity. To determine whether Judge Derrick's actions were judicial in nature, we must further examine his challenge practices. The appellants first allege that when criminal defendants appear before Judge Derrick, he advises them of their right to counsel but fails to appoint counsel. Regardless of the merits of this claim, the appointment of counsel is clearly a judicial function which Judge Derrick carries out in his judicial capacity. When defendants appear before a judge, the judge must set money bail if he determines that there is no other way to reasonably ensure the appearance of a defendant in court, Arkansas Rule of Criminal Procedure 9.2a. This requirement squarely places the authority to set bond with the judge. Consequently, judges' decisions concerning bond are made in their judicial capacities. Arkansas Code Annotated Section 1663.701 at SEC governs the assessment and collection of court-imposed fines. End of quote. This, too, is within a judge's judicial capacity. Quote, While only a judge may impose fines or create an installment plan to assist defendants with their payments, 
Appellants argue that the judge's delegation of certain administrative aspects of these duties, namely permitting court clerks to grant payment extensions or accept partial payments at their discretion, requires this court to find that court-imposed fines are administrative rather than judicial duties. But this is not so. The mere delegation of ancillary administrative tasks does not rid a function of its judicial nature. The decision to imprison a defendant for his failure to pay court-imposed fines stems from the ability to impose the fines initially. C.E.G. Art Code and Section 1613.703 Ordering a defendant imprisoned is a quintessential judicial function. In fact, suing judges for their sentencing decisions was one of the exact issues that the Supreme Court considered when deciding to extend the defense of judicial immunity to Section 1983 claims. Regardless of their efforts to couch their complaint as seeking prospective declaratory relief, appellants' allegations wholly concern the constitutionality of past convictions, past fines, and past sentences. To the extent the appellants allege any future harm, that they will face future arrest, fines, jail time, or all three because of their existing convictions, it is merely speculative and challenges the validity of their underlying criminal convictions. The record demonstrates that appellants seek retrospective declaratory relief, which is insufficient to overcome judicial immunity. End of quote. Justice Hudson, in concurring, wrote judicial immunity protects the judge, but the opinion is no endorsement of the complaint's allegations. Quote, Appellant's complaint includes claims that Judge Derrick sets bail and imposes fines without inquiring into a party's ability to pay. They further allege that Judge Derrick establishes uniform payment plans without considering a party's ability to pay and then jails them if they miss payments without determining whether the failure to pay was willful. These policies, they claim, have established an illegal modern-day debtor's prison in White County. Yet this is not a direct appeal for our review, and we do not have all the factual details for the appellant's cases. However, if true, these allegations are disturbing. We have recognized that the Debtors Act of 1869 abolished the practice of imprisoning people for debts. Stale v. Zimmerrebner, 2016, Arc 290. This fundamental concept is found in our own Constitution. End of quote. End of decision.